So I want to be turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. We're going to spend our, pretty much our entire time here. title of the lesson this morning is A Life of Impact. And I don't know about you, but I want to do that. I want to live a life of impact. So we're going to learn from um, a couple people about their life of impact. So before we look into the scripture, I'd like to um, pray. Father God, we, uh, we love you so much. We're so grateful to be here. Lord, I pray that as we look at your word and we look at the examples in your word, um, you know, your word has an impact on our hearts, but Lord, I pray that you help it to have such an impact that we go out and we help impact other people. We love you. We're so thankful for you. It's in your sons and I pray. Amen. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. So when Jesus had finished saying all this in, excuse me, when Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders to the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation. He has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. You know, we're going to look at the character this morning of this centurion. And his legacy, according to the Bible, what Jesus says about him is he says, no one in the nation of Israel has faith like this guy. That's a legacy. That's impact. You know, so I want to look at three characteristics that I see from the centurion on how we can have a life of impact. So the first one is, we need to be aware of the opportunity to impact people. You just got to be aware, because if you're not aware, you're not going to go impact others. You know, the centurion, he said he heard Jesus was in town, and he took advantage of it. You know, you never know when you're going to have the opportunity to make an impact. I think as a church, we do a very good job when we have the opportunity to give toys for a toy drive, or food. The planned events. I'm not talking about those events because I, I want to really commend the church. The church responds to those events, the community events. But impact, a lot of impact, it happens momentarily. It happens when you're exiting the grocery store. It happens when you're at the mall. When you're ha- it happens when you're at work. I mean, we have so many opportunities to impact people, but we need to be aware of the opportunity do something a little bit different this morning. We're going to watch a video just to illustrate this point. So, um, you know, when we're done with the video, we'll continue with the sermon. I love the sound of this thing.
You never know when you're going to have the opportunity to make an impact. You know, the second thing that I see out of this centurion is he humbled himself and he he humbled himself and he valued others. You know, back in those days, like centurions, they were, uh, you know, they're, they're Roman soldiers that had kind of risen through the ranks. They were in charge of about 100 other Roman soldiers. And at the time, Israel was under Roman rule. So you got Israelites living in their nation, but they're being ruled by Romans. You know, tensions could have been a little high there. Romans, they worshipped different gods, lowercase g. You know, the Israelites, they worshipped the one true almighty God. Big G. You know, so they had like religion and they had politics dividing them. You know, but you look at this centurion. He rose above the religion. He rose above the politics. And he cared. He was different. And I love it. You know, you see how he is with his servants. You know, it said his, there is a centurion servant whom his master valued highly. He loved the people that worked for him. He valued them. He cared about them. He wasn't just saying, oh, this, guy, this guy's no use to me. I'm just going to get rid of him. No, he wasn't that type of manager. He wasn't that type of friend. He was like, you know, this person's not doing good. Jesus is in town. I'm going to let Jesus come and take care of it. You see how he was, his reputation with the, the people in Jerusalem, with the elders. The elders come and they say, hey, this guy deserves the healing. You know you're doing something right when somebody else comes to, your, to, your, to bat for you. And they say he deserved it. They said he loves this nation. He loves our nation. He built this synagogue. He deserves this. It had to pique Jesus' interest. But what I love is as Jesus is going to his house, he sends word again. And he said, Jesus, I don't even deserve to have you come into our house, my house. I don't even deserve that. He's like, but if you just say the word, I know it can happen. And then Jesus turns and tells everybody, I haven't seen faith like this in the whole nation. Wow. So humble. And he valued others. You know, but see, for us, like, I think we, we, we kind of battle with this one. If you're like me, I like to value other people, but I don't like to humble myself. Or maybe you're good at humbling yourself. If you are, I'd like to talk because I need help with that. But maybe you're good at humbling yourself but not valuing other people. Maybe you're not good at either one of them. So this is a good point for you. You know, our nature, in our nature, we say, you know, in order to do great things, in order to make an impact, I must be great. But guys, we have to remember that's just worldly thinking. You know, Jesus says the least will be the greatest. You know, Jesus humbled himself. You know, and if you looked at your clocks this morning, you look at the calendar this morning, it's June 22nd, 2014 A.D. Now, I don't always think about this, but because we don't see the A.D. part, but A.D., it stands for Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And I don't care if you're Christian, non-Christian, or, you know, different religious background, you are living in the year of our Lord. We change the way we tell time for Jesus. But you know what? He didn't write books. He died with nothing. 
He humbled himself and he valued other people. And now we are living in the year of our Lord. But that's just what happens when you humble yourself and you value other people. I mean, look at what Jesus did. Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. You're like, Jesus, what about your faith? You had greater faith than the centurion. Look in John chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. Verse 24 says, After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you do? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. You know, you look at what Jesus did. Jesus humbled himself. He lifted other people up. He valued other people. Because really, who was the greatest person born from women? It was Jesus. You know, if something is going to be said, something great is going to be said about you, let other people say it. You know, others praising you, it's way better than you pridefully boasting about yourself. Guys, humble yourself. Value other people. I promise you'll make an impact when you do that. The third thing that I see the centurion do is he relied on Jesus. Jesus was his only hope. And he understood his place. He was a man. He had power. He had authority. He was a leader. And he was helpless in this situation. You know, and that's okay because when we're in that state, I think that's when God can work. You know, our part is we, we get up, we move towards Him, we have faith that He can work, and then we just enjoy the ride. You know, I love the video that we watch because you see them, you see the guy like take the chance and reach out to the friend, reach out to the guy, and I don't know what he said. You don't always have the right thing, have to have the right things to say, hey, let me help you pick up your oranges. You want to come to my church? Let me get your number. I don't know. I don't know what he said. It probably wasn't scripted. He didn't have time to think, okay, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Let me practice it in the mirror. I mean, you know, you don't always have to be on your game to make an impact. A lot of times you just need to move. You know, he goes and, he goes and talks to him, but then you see them studying the Bible and you see the guy walk away. So sad. He walked away, but guess what? God wasn't done. God was still moving. He's reading his Bible. He was praying, trying to figure it out, and then he comes back. He studies more. He gets baptized. He enjoys the fellowship, and he finds himself a wife. I mean, amen. I watched that video, and if you don't know my conversion story, that's my conversion story, pretty much. Except I wasn't at a grocery store. I was at a clothing store. Somebody came in, studied the Bible, had a little rough patch studying the Bible, really got committed after a few months, uh, enjoyed the fellowship, and found a wife. Amen. But you know what? What a wild ride. And I think when we rely on God, 
it's going to be a wild ride. You know, there's nothing boring about committed Christianity. Now, uncommitted Christianity is pretty boring, okay? So, if you're bored right now with your Christianity, I'd tell you to look at your commitment. But committed Christianity, there is nothing boring about it. It's a wild ride. Your life is changing and things are happening that you just didn't expect to happen. You know, and I love that. You know, how are you doing with relying on God this morning? You know, we see the Roman centurion, and he had no choice but to rely on Jesus. And the amount of faith he had is appalling to me. It, it calls me so much higher. Because I know if I was him, I would have wanted to meet Jesus. I would not have thought that. Everybody else thought that about him, but you could tell he didn't think that about himself. He said, I don't deserve it. I don't even deserve you to come to my house. Everybody else thought that, but he didn't. And he realized that I need to rely 100% on Jesus. You know, yesterday, um, last night, with a few of the interns, we went fishing, deep sea fishing, down in Newport Beach. Just a word to the wise, do not drive home from Newport Beach after a twilight fishing trip that ends at 1130 because you will sit in three hours of traffic because they like to close the 405 and the 5 all at the same time. Oh, yeah, it was bad. You know, so some of the campus students that were in the internship, they, they're doing really good, but they were some, we, we, we were zombies this morning, you know what I mean, because we got home around 2.30. But it was an amazing fishing trip. And, uh, you know, I went into it thinking, God, I just want to catch a fish. And, guys, I'm from Georgia, my family grew up going fishing. I have never caught a fish. Yes, this is not something that you normally share. It's an embarrassing thing for me. I was in charge of planning the entire deep sea fishing trip. Never caught a fish. You know, but I get in there, and I just, I'm just like, God, I want to catch a fish. I just want to catch a fish, God. And, uh, you know, I was talking to the guy, asking him all the, the tips. What do I put on my, what do, what do I put? Well, how am I going to catch a fish? I mean, he said, well, you need live bait. Okay, so I grabbed the squid that they have, put it in there. Squid is so funny working with the squid because they, they squirt ink at you. So um, a couple people got squirted. But um, I put, the, put it on there, and I just let, my, let it down, and I prayed to God, God, let me catch a fish. That will encourage me so much. Five minutes later, caught my first fish. And um, the only fish I caught the whole time. And I couldn't keep it because it was too small. You know what, guys? That's just sometimes, you know, and I walk away from that and I'm like, hey, man, God, I am excited to go back fishing again. Because I was not encouraged. I was like, uh, you know, we were close to filling up the boat and I was ready to just give up my spot. I was like, hey, somebody else can go fishing. I just don't think I'm going to have fun. Uh, and I was looking forward to hanging out with everybody, but I'm not looking forward to just the discouragement of not catching a fish. When I know that a lot of people are probably going to catch fish. That's just the way it's been for me my whole life. And, uh, you know, within a few minutes, I catch my first fish. I can't keep it, but I'm thrilled to go back. 
You know, and that's how uh, I feel like God works like that sometimes. You know, when you're relying on God, sometimes it just feels hard. You're just like, I've got to keep relying on God. I've got to keep relying on God. And then just at the most unexpected time, like, I don't think it had to do anything with skill level. I think it was an answered prayer because I didn't catch any more after that. And I just, you know, God answered my prayer. And I felt so encouraged. It encouraged my entire fishing trip. I, I was so, so thrilled. We even had some of the sisters catch their first fish, which was really exciting just to see that, just to build that memory. And um, you don't want to turn over to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse 16. It says, "Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, when you read that scripture, sometimes you can, depending on where you're at, you can be like, amen, God. You know, light and momentary struggles. Sometimes you can be like, I dare, I'll dare you call my struggles light and momentary. But that's sometimes how we can feel. But guys, we just have to stay the course. I hadn't caught a fish my entire life. I'll be 32 this year, caught my first fish. After a short little prayer, and five minutes into the fishing trip. But guys, that's just how it is sometimes. And we just have to stay the course. We keep our eyes fixed. We rely 100% on God. You know, we're going to close out in a little bit different way. I want to ask everybody, we're going to stand up. And we're just, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to have our last song. And I'm just going to pray... For that, that we can make an impact and that we can rely on God. So, guys, bow with me as we pray. God, when we look at your word and we look at the examples in your word, the examples of faith, the centurion, John the Baptist, Jesus, so many more. God, these men made an impact. And Lord, I pray that we can look at their lives and we can see the impact that they made and we can imitate that, God. That we can be aware of the impact that we can make around town. That when we see somebody hurting or struggling, we can go meet that need. That we can always be looking for an opportunity to make that impact. God, I pray, I pray so much, God, that we can just rely on you. I know so often I need you just to help me. And God, I thank you for those desperate situations where I feel sometimes cornered, where I feel sometimes it's like, God, you're the only one that's going to get me out of this. But Lord, I pray that you can help me and help each one of us see those times where we need to rely on you more and more and more. 
Because the truth is, God, we wouldn't be here without you. We wouldn't be here without your son. And God, it is true. Our moment, our struggles are momentary because there's something eternal out there. There's something bigger out there. God, I pray that as we leave here, that we leave here um, men and women of humility. Men and women that want to value other people, that want to put other people ahead of ourselves. We love you, God. It's so great just to be able to be here, just to worship you. And thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to pray together as a church. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.